Hi, my name's Samuel Finlay, and you're listening to the Aces Podcast. In this episode, I chat with Kahal O'Connell, who is now a VC postdoctoral fellow at RMIT University. We spoke about his Aces journey, his PhD, science writing, traveling all over the world, his passion for reading, and much more. So let's get to our conversation. So I'm chatting with Kahal O'Connell today. Kahal, thanks for joining me. Hey, Sam. You know, due to the COVID situation right now, how are you holding up? Yeah, pretty good. I'm surviving. It's good to hear and working from home. We just you know, had a chat about that just before. Yeah, yeah. So juggling the juggling the kids a bit, but once childcare is still open and and then then we can work well at home. If not, then then it's more difficult. Now I want to um, start with your PhD experience at the University of Wollongong. Can you explain what you exactly did? Yeah, sure. So uh, I came in and and um, my project was focused on developing uh, a new technology for for printing. Uh, at nanoscale, so printing really small uh, patterns of biomolecules and, and conductive uh, traces uh, for building um, very uh, sophisticated bionic interfaces for connecting with individual cells. Uh, so we used that. We to do that, we used uh, a machine called an atomic force microscope, which is a very um, fancy. Uh, machine is basically a, a little pointy stick and you can use that for for drawing pictures and that's what we did great and you know that was you finished that back in 2014 I, i'm curious does that sort of technology uh, is that still being used or is, is that uh i guess um you know come a long way since then well it's it's one of those situations where where the that that particular technology um didn't really progress. The, t- the company that was pushing it collapsed um, near the end of my PhD. And then that, that happens sometimes where technologies look promising and then it just doesn't pan out, whether in terms of scalability or economically or whatever. So in research, you just have to be versatile, versatile enough to, to switch tracks and, and build on whatever experience that you've learned. Regardless of the particular technology, you can still use that for or doing something new in research. So it sounds like you finished your PhD at the right time then. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it I, I did in, in in a way, but um at the same time then it was it was a bit more difficult for me to get into a, another uh research position. Um and it wasn't until I found uh 3D bioprinting that uh I was able to find something that that used similar skills, and uh, and that's when what I've been working on ever since. So, who were your supervisors for your PhD? So, um, my principal supervisor was Gordon Wallace, uh, and then I had Michael Higgins and Simon Moulton uh, as well. Okay, I, I, I must ask. Uh, this has popped up on YouTube, and I think we shared it. Um, sometime last year as a bit of a, a throwback Thursday sort of post the yesterday PhD remix that featured yourself <laughs> how did that idea come about yeah well that, that was um it was basically a talent competition entry for one of the uh, Christmas parties and um 
we, we were lucky to have two very, very talented uh, students in, in, the, in the lab at the time, uh, Cameron Ferris, who had that beautiful singing voice and, and now is, is a, a big shot in the bioprinting world uh, as chief operating officer um, at Inventia um, company. And we also had um, another visiting student from Ireland who, who had uh, amazing uh, video production uh, skills. His name is Hugh Manning, and he's he's now um, doing very well uh, uh, as as a researcher back in Dublin. So anyway, we we were able to 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 use these guys' skills, um, and you know, I, I just played with the lyrics a little bit to 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 change the focus of that song. Um, something that, that every PhD student experiences that that kind of um, the the difference in in mood when when your supervisor is overseas versus when they're they're back home. It's a bit <laughs> like when the when you're in high school and the teacher leaves the room for five minutes. You know, kind of things can change. The the, the level of productivity productivity <laughs> can change, and um, and it was just trying to capture that and and do it in a kind of a comedic way. Well, it's got over 5,000 views on YouTube, so you, you certainly uh, executed it well. Wow, I, did, I didn't know that. That's, <laughs> I, I, well, I hope, I, hope, I hope people enjoyed it anyway. <laughs> now, um, after your PhD, uh, you stayed on with UAW um, in a research position. What were you doing there? Now, you meant to, mentioned 3D printing, but could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So... Well, I guess there was there was a there was a bit of a gap after I finished um, my PhD. I, I came down to Melbourne. I I, I had a small, a short postdoc in, in Melbourne Uni. Um, I started doing some science writing for for Cosmos magazine. So there were there was a bunch of things that happened in the meantime, and then eventually uh, I found found my way back to. To working for Aces, um, employed through University of Wollongong, but based at St Vincent's Hospital uh, in Melbourne. So, so I was still a Wollongong employee, but I was but I was helping with the bioprinting uh, research uh, down here, uh, based in a hospital, working with uh, orthopedic surgeons. And the project was this biopen device to print stem cells in surgery. You mentioned Cosmos magazine there. I believe you started as an intern there, as a science writer, and then went on to be a contributing writer. It was you know writing something you always wanted to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's been a, an interest of mine for a long time. In fact, when I was at the University of Wollongong um, near the start of my PhD in 2010, I, I actually started the Literary Society um, as a student. So. So uh, yeah, I was the, the founding president of that. I was hanging out with all the art students, um, um, writing stories and things. So it's always been a big interest, and uh, and it was great then to be able to to marry that interest in writing with with my interest in science. And so that's what I was doing with with Cosmos. So was that a full time position? No, it was it was more like a freelance role, um, which which I did for about four years, just, just, um, I think I was on a retainer. So, um, basically once a week I would supply a story about, uh, the latest research in mostly in physics. Right. So you're doing that the same time you're working at St. Vincent's. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was in parallel. It was, um, 
it was a, it was a big workload and and it wasn't sustainable in the long term. But I, I wasn't sure at that time whether I wanted to focus on research or to go full time into science writing. So I I had to kind of keep both things going for a while and, and until I could make a decision. Right, and and do you do any writing um, at the moment? Any of that type of writing, anyway? No, no, especially with the kids, I've had to uh, <laughs> focus just on one one career. Um, so yeah, any writing I do now is is scientific papers. And after working in that p- the position as a um, research fellow at St. Vincent's, you stayed on as a center manager, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, the start of 2017, uh, this this new lab was 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 built at St. Vincent's, the, the Biofab 3D lab. So this is um, one of the first facilities of its kind in the world, certainly the first in Australia where um, it was focused on bioprinting uh, on a hospital site. So using human cells from patients um, and then researching the idea of building new body parts for for treating various uh, conditions, uh, especially in the orthopedic space, like muscle and cartilage and bone. So um, basically I, I was the inaugural uh, center manager there helping to set up that, that facility um, and get everything going um, and, and participate in some of the research when I could. And, and that was, yeah, that was basically the last three years. So what was like, a, I guess, a usual day for you, you know, in that position? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, had, it was an incredibly uh, varied role um, from the basic operations of, of keeping the lab running, basic management of, of facilities and um, looking after equipment um, to um, managing projects with students, to talking to talking with them, um, the the cl- clinicians um, uh, and surgeons at the hospital uh, around their needs, um, solving research problems, and and then every so often giving a brief tour to um, someone like the federal minister for health would drop by and we would show them around, show them what we're doing. So, so it was a big mix of, of communication and politics uh, and management and research as well as that clinical element too. Yeah, and you, you mentioned communication there and I know you've been part of ACES for you know, quite some, some time now and you've been to you know, various um, full centre meetings and symposiums and, and you've had to present. I, I just wanted, was curious, how, how has the, the sort of ACES environment been and how have you been able to you know, gain these communication skills throughout your journey? Yeah, well, I, I think that the, that communications aspect was one of the strongest um, uh, kind of tr- training and um, the, the, the strongest, one of the strongest parts of my training at, at, at ACES was this, this communication element. Um, some of it was just due to exposure and um, through um, meeting so many collaborators and um, people from different backgrounds, you know, when you're thrown into a uh, a group like ACES where you've got biologists on one hand, you have um, battery researchers on the other hand, and you, you have to be able to communicate to all of them uh, at a useful level. So that, that really forces you to to seek the common ground in, in, in your conversations, and, and it really helps to develop your, your communication skills, which you can then bring forward to talking when you're talking with anyone else from the general public to 
to politicians and lawyers and whatever. And um, so that was a big part of it. And and also there are a lot of amazing communicators at at ACES from from the top down, from from you know Gordon Lee, leads by example. And so you you can you can pick up a lot of a lot of tricks from from uh, mentors like that too. Sure. And, and what about, I, I, you know, just doing a, a bit of a, a LinkedIn search, I noticed that you, you worked as a science communicator at La Trobe University. What did that involve? Yeah, sure. So um, that was, uh, again, in, in, in the period uh, after I finished my PhD, I had, a, um, and before coming back to research, I, I was at La Trobe for about a year and we were developing a uh, a technology that allowed high school students to dial in from their classrooms and and to control uh, lab equipment at, at the university. So so much more expensive and um, sophisticated equipment than they could access in in their in their classrooms. And we, we got a lot of usage from from around Australia, including from remote communities, which which may not have uh, much experimental equipment at all. Um, so, so that was a pilot program, um, and uh, I think I think it was it was quite successful, and, and and maybe a little bit ahead of its time because we see now during during lockdown that those kind of remote access facilities are exactly what we need to to maintain uh, training um, at all levels, but including at the high school level. Sure, um, that's that's a very good point there. Um, look, I just wanted to go back quickly to the to I guess. Um, the beginning more so your undergraduate degree because you're not originally from Australia. Uh, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Dublin. I'm Australian now, but, <laughs> but yeah, I came from Dublin. So you did your undergraduate degree at Trinity college. Yeah, that's right. So my degree was in uh, the physics and chemistry of advanced materials. Um, now it's, that course has been renamed to basically be the nanoscience degree, which is a bit more understandable to, to most people now. Um, so it was focused on um, uh, understanding uh, nanomaterials like carbon nanotubes and graphene and um, solid state physics and, and all of that, basically learning enough chemistry and enough physics um, that, that you could make a useful contribution um, to to research of these these advanced materials. I guess why the decision to come to Australia to do your PhD is that something you sort of wanted to do for a while, or the opportunity just sort of presented itself when you finished your undergrad. Yeah, well, I I think when I was finishing my undergrad, the, the main thing I wanted to do was to travel and and see other places, live in other places. I was very lucky in the final year of my my undergrad d- degree that I could uh, come over to Australia for uh, a few month project for basically my final year research project w- was in Wollongong. So I, I w- that's how I met uh, Gordon and, and, and Michael and the rest of the team. Um, so later on when, when I, when I completed my studies, I was able to, to make, uh, reconnect with, 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 with those guys asked them were there any projects uh, and that's that's how it's it got set up and and obviously I, I from my experience in that undergrad uh, visit I, I knew that I would that I loved Wollongong and that that it was a great place to live so that's why I came. 
So you mentioned you're, you're Australian now. Did you always want to stay in Australia after finishing your PhD or were you going to go back? No, I didn't plan on staying. Um, I thought that after three or four years here, finishing my PhD, that I would move on to another country. Um, not necessarily Ireland, but but I wanted to move around. But that, that tends not to happen when you visit Australia. You, you realize <laughs> what an amazing place it is uh, uh, to live. And um, I, you know, I met my wife here at an, at an ACES conference. And so you know, we've, we've settled down and, and obviously we're bringing up our kids Australian. So it's, it's a hard place to leave Australia. <laughs> you, you mentioned travel there and, you know, this sort of, I guess, goes on to my next question about life outside of work. I'm assuming travel is, is one of your interests, but what else uh, do you like doing? <laughs> yeah, well, um, you know, I, I think my, my hobbies list has certainly been pared down in recent years with the, with the two uh, kids coming along, oh, I bet. but, but, um, you know, when, when I have spare time, I, I, I still like to, uh, to read, uh, as much as possible. Um, that's my kind of sanctuary on the tram into work is that's my reading time. Um, I still play a bit of football, you know, we, we, and, and, and we do travel. Um, when my, my wife and I, after we got married, we, we took, we took five months off and we, we actually traveled from, from Dublin to, to Melbourne without flying. So that was, that was a big adventure. Um, and I think it's important wow. to take that time out when, when you can. Yeah. Wow. What did that journey look like? I mean, what was sort of the, the path? Yeah. Well, it, it involved, um, you know, boat to boat to the UK boat, and then from the UK, another boat to, to Amsterdam, to, to Holland and, and, lots of trains, you know, across, eventually across, um, on the Trans-Siberian and more trains down through, through China, buses through Vietnam and Cambodia. And, and then eventually onto a, onto a ship in uh, Singapore that brought us to Fremantle. Um, then we, we bought a little camper van and, and we drove across the Nullarbor back to, to Melbourne. So it was, it was a long trip, but it was, it was great. Sounds like it. Where was your, your favorite stop along the way? Um, yeah, great question. Well, you know, there, there are different highlights along the way. One of the, the most striking ones was uh, Mongolia. Um, we went out into the Gobi Desert and, and traveled around and, and lived in, in um, the, the traditional uh, yurts and, in, you know, in minus 20 degree uh, temperatures and you have to to keep the place warm you have to throw a uh, camel manure onto the fire that's basically what that's your fuel you know <laughs> dry camel manure and you know it's just such such a, a an alien experience um from from how we grew up so that's that's a that's a very striking memory so you mentioned um reading is something you, know, you like to do especially in your tram on the way to work any books you you've read recently that you've really enjoyed? Uh, yeah, well, I I've been reading um, recently some um, some excellent uh, nonfiction bi- biology stuff. Uh, the Vital Question by by Nick Lane is a, is a is a fantastic um, uh, kind of deep uh, dive into how how cells work how they get their energy and and how that's basically 
um, it basically feeds into the question of the origin of life and 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 how um, the first molecules uh, arrange themselves. It's a very a very interesting theory about about how metabolism was important for that. Um, so yeah, that's that's one aspect, that science aspect. To, um, in terms of in terms of uh, fiction, I still try to to um, to keep up to date with that. So, so right now I'm reading uh, uh, a book by Sally Rooney, who's who's a, a writer from from Dublin. Um, the book is called Conversations with Friends. After reading her Normal People last year, so it's it's a kind of a literary novel about about students in Dublin. So it's quite a nostalgic read for me. But uh, but it's it's a uh, it's a great book too. Moving forward to you know your current position right now, I believe you've just taken a, a new position with RMIT as a VC postdoctoral fellow. How did that come about? Yeah, well, you know, during my my time as a centre manager at at, at Biofab, I eventually made the decision that I wanted to to go into full time research. So so I put the science writing on hold and then and then put all my my efforts into into to into the research into getting papers so so that I could you know get get uh, um, a research position um, I applied for quite a few um, fellowships last year and you know like most applications fail so most of mine did but I was I was very lucky that to to um to get into to RMIT it's it's a it's a really um it's a, it's an amazing opportunity um in terms of the facilities and and the support that they provide you um and it's it's basically three years now to focus on on research and try and try and build a career um and obviously I'll be collaborating a lot with 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 ACES going forward. Great sounds like a fantastic opportunity. Has it been? I guess a little bit difficult because you know you've only been in that job for you know one month. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Has has it been you know somewhat difficult because of the current situations with COVID nineteen to sort of start that role? Yeah, it it has. Um, I guess for two reasons. One one is the the onboarding at RMIT and getting in and starting starting work is obviously slow, but on the other hand. Um, Handing over the lab, the Biofab 3D lab, is also uh, difficult to to do. So I'm still kind of caretaking that and helping helping out the new manager there. So um, yeah, it's it's hard to have a clean break uh, right now. But you know, at least um, well, we have to be thankful that 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 we still have have work to do. And in fact, um, we've been using that time effectively at Biofab um, like has been going on in Wollongong in terms of producing PPE for, for clinicians, um, at the hospital. So, so, so we've been using our 3d printing facilities for that. And, um, that, that, that means that obviously it's, it's not, it's not direct research, but, but it's, it's the most valuable use of, of our time right now. So, so we, we have to be, um, you know, we're, we're, we're glad that we can help out in that way. 
So something I've asked everyone that I've had on the podcast so far, and you may have answered this before when you mentioned reading um, on the tram on your way to work, but is there something you do each day or maybe a morning routine you stick to that helps you um, approach a day of work? Yeah, well, I'd like to say there is. I mean, yeah, there, definitely that 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 time on the way in um, to work when I when I can get my seat on the tram and and, and have a half an hour to 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 read a chapter. That that's 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 kind of sacred to me because um, it's it is it is a kind of a sanctuary between the the craziness of dealing with the kids at home and and the craziness of dealing with the students in the lab. Um, so so that's a kind of an anchor point uh, for me. Beyond that, um, I don't know if I'm disorganized or if um, the world is just too messy, but, but I, I don't have much of a r- routine beyond that because <laughs> every day is so different from every other day. So I'm curious, a bit more of a fun one as well. If if you weren't doing you know, research for a living, what do you think you would be doing? I mean, you obviously mentioned writing. Is that something you think you, you might be doing if not for research? Yeah, well, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, a good enough uh, writer um, to have made a living for that unless maybe I could have done it as a science writer um, where, you know, just, just, but, but then it's, it's using the, the skills of communication um, to explain uh, scientific ideas to, to, to the general public. I still think that's, that's the second best job in the world. You know, um, it's just that I also have to, <laughs> the, the, the best job in the world is doing, actually doing the research. Um, but, but yeah, maybe, uh, if, if I wasn't doing the research, then, then explaining and communicating the, the excitement of science is, uh, would, would be an amazing calling as well. Seems like you made the right decision then. <laughs> well, it's, it's good for me, but you know, for, um, maybe other people wouldn't enjoy it so much. <laughs> All right. So just to, to finish up, I'm wondering if, if you could maybe give some advice to, you know, some PhD students currently on their journey or, you know, someone thinking about maybe starting a PhD. Yeah, well, I, I think that um, whatever you do, you have to, you have to do it for, for the right reasons. Um, you have to do it because you enjoy it yourself um, uh, because it's because you know, it has to be, it has to be fun as well. You know, you have to, you have to find that, that creative creativity in, in, in your life. And luckily in, in science, it's, it's a very, very creative pursuit. Um, so, so, so you can do that. The most important thing is to, to make those decisions based on, based on, uh, on, on what makes you happy and, and, and not based on pressure from any directions from, from parents or from, from peers or, or based on, um, societal norms or, or whatever, just, just do whatever, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. Well, thanks for the advice and, and thanks for joining the podcast. It's been a pleasure to chat to you, uh, this morning and, um, uh, yeah, all the best and stay safe. Thanks, Sam. You too. Thanks for listening to the ACEs podcast. For more episodes like this one, be sure to subscribe wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can also find more information about ACES on our website, electromaterials.edu.au.
There you'll find links to our various social media platforms. And you can also follow me on Twitter, at Samuel Finlay. Until next time, thanks for listening.